coming, uh, you know, facing the snow and the cold and things like that. I'm glad you're here. Made it safely. Um, we're going to start with these baby dedications. So I thought I'd share a story real quick um, about. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah. And is that baby in the crowd here this morning? Or oh yeah, no. Um, but uh, let's start with a story about. Um, so there was a baby dedication once, a lot like what we're going to do here. And this family was driving home from church, and. Uh, one of the older children who had already been dedicated and stuff like that was kind of whining in the back seat. And, uh, you know, the dad kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? After about the third or fourth time, you know, the little Johnny finally answered his dad. And he said, you know, why are you crying? What's wrong? And he said, um, you know, Dad, uh, the pastor at the baby dedication was saying that we need, to be raised in a, we need to be raised in a Christian home, but I really want to stay with you guys. And, um, but... Your experience hopefully might not be too similar to that here in your own family. So we are going to dedicate uh, these these children here this morning. Um, and let's see, let's start with the first slide here we have. So really, just going to start with the idea that um, children are a gift from God. You know, we covered some of these verses um, recently. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. And we just need to be reminded that, um, you know, in a lot of ways, everything we've been given in life, everything that we have, God has given us. God has given us our, our health. He's given us our bodies. He's given us our hearts, our minds. He's given us our money, our time. And we are all called to be stewards of that. Um, but the same is true, and maybe even more so when it comes to children. You know, it's easy to think, well, these are my kids. You know, they look a little like me or a little like my wife, and, and there are kids. And um, But, you know, really, these kids are kind of on loan. Every every child is on loan from God. They're not, they're not ours. We're just called as parents to be stewards of these children and of their souls. And, and so in a lot of ways, um, let's see what we have here. This next slide. Um, um, you know, in a lot of ways, we're, um, we're doing a baby dedication, but really what we're doing this morning is a parent dedication. You know, the kids are just going to be here. They're going to maybe smile or, or drool or whatever they're going to do. But really, this morning is about uh, dedicating our parents to bringing up these children in a way that honors God. And we have biblical examples of this. You know, why we do it, there's some there's scriptural precedents here. One example we have to start with is this one. And Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. Um, and he went on to become um, you know, a prophet and a great man of the Lord. But she deliberately said, Lord, here's my son back to you. You gave him to me with an answer to prayer, and I'm giving him back to you. Uh, also, we see um, how, let's see the next slide here, is um, another example we have. One we're getting ready to remember here in the Christmas season is that Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus to the temple in order to present him to the Lord, before the Lord. And, uh, and this morning, really what we're going to do present our, our children to the Lord. We're also, as parents, going to present ourselves to the Lord here and just um, dedicate ourselves as parents and, um, and these children to, to serve and honor God. Let's see here, the next one we have. Here's a command here. One of the commands that, um, in, in why we do this and why parents are, are uh, given this responsibility. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord with, uh, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. 
Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been given this responsibility. Many of us know that Jesus was asked, what's the most important command in the entire Bible? And what did he quote? He, he went back and he quoted this verse. And I just found it was very interesting to see right in the context of this verse, he's saying, hey parents, you need to impress this on your children. This is the most important uh, command in all Scripture and you need to impress this on your children. And you need to talk about loving God when you get up and when you drive and when you sit and when you eat and you need to be bringing God into your life all the time and this is a real specific command to parents here uh, it's to everyone but especially if you have children uh, next verse we have here fathers do not provoke your children to wrath instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord again we talked about this verse recently as we did the series of on the road less traveled but there's a we are to instruct them with God's word, God's thoughts. We're also to train them, which means to discipline them, to help them become uh, what God wants them to be in, in character and in their lives. And so uh, those are two of the commands we look at here. So um, basically, parents are to love God with every ounce and fiber. of, a, of You are to love God with every ounce of your fiber and your energy and teach your child to do the same. As you love God, one another, and your children, you will model before them a wonderful love for God that he will want for himself. By coming forward before God and his people this morning, you declare your desire to dedicate yourself and your child or, or children to the Lord. And if that's the desire that you have this morning, I encourage you to, to come forward and, and bring your children with you. So anyone who's dedicating parents, please come forward. <laughs> Maybe line across the line across right here. That's one. And Brad, can we use one of these mics up here? Is that all right? Let's get the. Okay. We're just going to go through and uh, share um, the names of those who are, are dedicating here. Um, maybe share your name and, and your child's name. Let's make sure we have enough cable to do this. Okay, I hope so. All right. Well, uh, let's start with my family right here. Let's see here. Um, let's start us off here. All right, yes. So, my name is Rich. If, if you haven't met me before, I didn't. I don't know if I introduced myself. It's my wife Morgan, and this is our son Judah, who we're dedicating this morning. He's about ten months old, twenty-eight pounds. Um, all right there. Um, Justice is also. He's already been dedicated, so um, he's he's hanging out with us. So he was the one who was whining in the back seat about the growing up in a Christian family. So uh, there we go. All right, my name is Patrick. This is my wife, Emily, and our son, Grant, is about two and a half months, and uh, we're just grateful to be here, I guess. I'm Daryl, this is Katie, and we're dedicating Annika and Triona and Jade. 
Rob. This is my wife, Sarah, and we're dedicating Sadie this morning. I'm Jake. This is Julie, and uh, we're dedicating Joel. Okay. Yeah. Okay, first we're going to start off just um, parents, I'm just going to read through a, a commitment here. This is uh, what you're wanting to do today. I ask that at the end of it you say we do. Um, if you don't, then you uh, I talk to me afterwards or something. I don't know. We can uh, see, see about that. And then after that, we're going to do um, um, a time where we have you as a congregation. There's a role that you play in the support of these children and these parents. And we're going to have you to stand up and to also um, join in a commitment as well as a part of God's community of people to help support these families here. And then... Uh, then uh, each of us as pastors will pray for them, and then we'll, we'll be on our way here. So um, let's see here. Okay, um, here we go. I don't know if we have, do we have this vow up here? I can't remember. Can we, uh, we'll get to that one when we get to the church. Okay, great. I'll just read this to you parents. Um, will you dedicate yourselves by God's grace to do whatever is necessary to accomplish Christ's purpose for your child's life, regardless of what God may require of you, putting at His disposal whatever time, money, effort, and sacrifice is necessary to be a steward for God of this young life that He has entrusted to you? We do. We do. <laughs> That's good. Sorry, it's a long little uh, little vow there. Um, and then this one also, um, the track with me, it's, uh, again, we do when we get to the end of this one. Um, in order that your child may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you as parents vow, by God's help, in partnership with the church, to provide your child a Christian home of love and peace, to raise him or her in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline, and to encourage him or her one day to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Okay. Now I'd like to um, ask the church to, to stand up here, right together. And we are going to, um, again, if you're willing, encourage you to repeat the vow that we have here. Um, actually, it's, um, again, it's a, a we do when we get to the end of this here, though. I'll read it, and then um, if you agree, you can respond with we do. Okay, and in order that these children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you vow, by God's help, to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help these parents be faithful to God, and to help teach and train their child in the ways of the Lord, so that they might one day trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. Okay. Um, now I'm going to ask if Jeff and Brad would join me up here and I'm praying for we're going to pray for the children and these parents here and okay. Jeff real quick we'll just each pray for them and uh, yeah you started I'll be last in the time Oh, we're going to 
we just do. God, we thank you for blessing each one of these families. God, we thank you for giving them children. God, we thank you that children are a blessing from you. And God, we just really pray that, that you would help each one of them to trust you. God, uh, raising a kid is a challenging thing. Learning to uh, just what they need and when they need it and how to discipline them. And God, we just really pray that you give them a ton of grace. God, help each one of them to be seeking you first. God, with, with every question, with every concern they have, and just really be trusting you with these children. God, we thank you for them. God, we just really pray that you would um, raise up these kids to be warriors for you. God, that they would become men and women who run hard after you and who want to serve you with their entire lives. God, we just really, again, thank you for these parents just really um, being here. God, being part of a local church, God, and, and wanting their kids to be part of it and wanting to raise their kids in this way, God. Amen. God, we are we're thrilled to dedicate these children to you, God. We thank you for the gift that you give us in children, that, God, you give a soul that we're responsible in some way for, for training. God, we're responsible and we give an account to you for, for how uh, each of these parents trains their child, for how they teach their child, for what they impart to them. And um, That is a great task. We thank you for that responsibility, but we thank you that you have just a grace that you give in that. God, we pray for each of these families that you give them grace, like Jeff said, in training their children. I pray for each of these fathers that you'd help them be men that would lead in their home and be involved with their children and be involved with training their children and teaching. And um, God, we also believe we can win with every one of our kids. We pray that, uh, I agree with prayers, we pray that each one of these would be a disciple for you down the road, that they get, uh, they become, on their own, they become believers in Jesus Christ. And on their own, they'd be ones that would be serving you down the road. We just pray for your grace there and we thank you for each of them, Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, I agree with uh, my brothers on these prayers, and I just pray for um, each uh, each parent here and each child here, and we just ask for your help. Lord, we, we acknowledge we need your help greatly uh, for this task, and we thank you, Lord, for the um, just the privilege, the reward that you have given uh, each one of us in being a parent, and we ask for um, your help to be good stewards of this responsibility that you've given us. I pray that you would uh, give us all that is needed, Lord, the love, the faith, the sacrifice. Lord, you know um, the stories that you have for each one of our our children, and you know uh, what will be required of each one of us, even uniquely as parents. And I ask uh, on behalf of every parent here that you would give that grace, and you would give us the the faith and everything that's needed to to, um, return these children back to you as as your followers, as your disciples, as worshipers of, of you, the one true God. And so we, we ask for your grace in this. We ask you to protect these families and these kids. We ask you to watch over each one of them. Um, we ask for your wisdom uh, in leading them to you as Savior and as Lord. And um, we do thank you for how you've blessed our church family with um, with these children. I pray as a body of Christ that you would help us uh, as well to be a support system um, to these families, these kids, and these parents. And um, we, we ask for all this help, all this mercy and grace. And we pray in Jesus Christ. Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you guys for doing that. And now what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break like we normally would uh, and release the kids to Sunday school and take a second, if you would, just to greet your neighbors, maybe shake, shake hands. We have
have a memory verse we've been practicing as well. If you want to practice that, that's Romans 12, 2. And, um, and we'll keep going here in just a, a minute or two.
since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Creek, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they'd obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called um, Kada, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Seeing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sturtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sent their approaching land, they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. The last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and um, at the same time untied the ropes that had held the rudders. Then they hoisted the force sail to, to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. Uh, the bow struck, struck, or stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding.
of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Alright. I felt the wind start to blow as I was reading there and just got a little seasick. Um, it's a long chapter, 44 verses, and just describing them. Paul and his companions and, and those who were aboard the ship headed for Rome. And um, there's so much we could pull out of this, and I am just going to focus on one little segment here and see if we can take some of this from this story and apply it in a way um, that you know would help us in our lives today. And so um, the section I want to talk about here is, um, you know, the overarching theme I, I see in this is just that why do you think... Um, why do you think Paul appealed to Caesar instead of just going back? They would have let him go in essence. I think they would have just let him be on his way. Maybe they would have sent him back to Jerusalem. But why do you think he appealed to Caesar? To take Christ to the Romans. I think that's a pretty good answer. And, you know, one of the reasons why I, you know, maybe maybe the Lord at the time said, hey, I want you to appeal to Caesar, and so he did. It doesn't exactly say he appealed to Caesar. And, and But we know um, back in Acts chapter 23, you know, there was a promise, an angel of the Lord spoke to Paul, and, you know, I don't know if you remember what he said at Acts 23:11, but basically he said, hey, Paul, as you've testified about me here in Jerusalem, you must do the same thing in Rome or before Caesar. And you know, God had told him, hey, this is, this is going to be a part of your plan, plan for your life, part of the purpose I have for you to testify about me even before Caesar. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that could have come about, but Paul went through some trials and some false accusations and all these things and eventually appealed and he was going to be sent to Rome. Um, and it was all a part of God's plan there. And so one of the things I see in this is just that um, it just reminds me of the sovereignty of God. He, he said, hey, Paul, this is what I'm going to have happen in your life. And he's able to, regardless of all the circumstances, the storm, the people that tried to kill him, there was men that took vows to kill Paul before he went to stand trial one of the times. And God is sovereign. And, and we need to just know that God has a plan for each one of our lives. And he, he's able to work it out. There's nothing that can stop him for fulfilling his purpose for your life. The Psalms are full of this idea that, um, that God has a purpose for you. Um, that, that God has a plan He's going to fulfill um, Jeremiah 29.11 many of you know because um, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord God's got a plan for your life that not a, a hurricane force storm not 40 people who set out to murder you not anything can get in the way of this plan that He has for you and um, you know I think that's that's encouraging we see some of the details of that here Paul's headed there to Rome one of the things that stands out to me is around verse 9 here where Paul warns them he basically says to the centurion and to the owner of the ship he says you know you guys should probably not set out to sea um, the time for sailing basically they were in the window um, that was kind of an unsafe time for sailing they, they had passed the safe time and they were going to try to make it anyways and Paul warned them he said don't do this it's, it's going to end, end bad and it says specifically the centurion instead of listening to this advice from Paul he chose the advice of this pilot um, 
you know, who was sailing the ship and also the owner of the ship and he took their advice and um, and even the majority, they might have just taken a vote that, hey, there's all of us, raise your hand if you want to go, raise your hand if you want to stay. You know, maybe three people, Paul and Luke and Aristarchus said, let's stay and 273 people said, let's, let's not stay here, you know, and they, and they took a vote. Um, and I think we have to, you know, there's a lot of different things in here, but um, one thing we, we know that when God leaves, it doesn't have to be by majority opinion, you know. If we just, everything we did in church, we took a vote. I don't know if Christianity would have made it out of the first century, you know. I think they probably would have voted, they've killed enough of us, let's just find another easier religion here. Um, but it's not about God's principles, God's leading is not about voting, it's about God's wisdom. I think when it comes to this thing of sailing and the ship, one of the things that stood out to me is it's kind of the idea that um, uh, sometimes we can look at knowledge in life as, um, I think Tom Short shared this at a meeting on campus, but it's kind of like you can look at it as like this big pie. And there's different segments of the pie. There's biology and mathematics and astronomy, and then there's this little slice for religion. You know, it's kind of the spiritual unseen thing. There's religion, there's these other things, and, and God needs to be kept in the slice of the pie that has to do with the unseen. You know, the pretend. That's, that's where God is supposed to be kept, and everything else this world tells us is just, you know, there's experts that can tell you what you should know related to sailing or to, you know, um, how to navigate the seas here and stuff. And um, But that's, that's the way the world has it. You know, that's the pattern of the world. But God really, you know, the, Tom shared the idea, it's more like there's a, a circle. Instead of God being a slice of the pie, it's like he's the center of the circle. And every facet of knowledge that we have is like a spoke that comes out from the center, from God. And the only reason we have knowledge in any of these areas on physics is that God's the one that created a universe and planets and different things that have properties and physical laws that he put into place. It's not like well, God has to be kept to those unseen faith things because we leave the other stuff to the scientists. You know, the scientists, they're only just trying to figure out and discover the things that God has set in place from the beginning. You know, it's just they're, they're in the process of discovering it. And it's all overflows from him. But I think of that idea of someone who's walking closely to the Lord. Um, and I think the Lord might have warned Paul, hey Paul, there's trouble if, if we do this here. And he tried to pass that warning on to these people. But they kind of were like, well, we've got the pilot. He's, he's been sailing for a long time. He knows a lot of things. And well, there's the owner of the ship, and really it's his decision. And, well, and if that's not enough, we took a vote, and the majority decided we should leave. And... You know, and Paul warned them, but they, they lean on some other things other than maybe the wisdom of God. And I think when we make plans, um, I, you know, I think it's good to consider these different facets of expertise, but at the same time to realize that God is the expert of the entire universe and any facet that we might be making a smaller decision about. And um, we might defer to things that, you know, Paul was, he's an apostle. We might defer to the scriptures. The New Testament, you know, was recorded by the apostles. Um, or we might refer to God's principles on things and, and bring those into um, our making plans. You know, there's a problem that says, make plans by seeking advice. And another one that goes on to say, um, it is wise to heed that advice, you know, when you seek it. And these guys got advice, they turned it down, um, and then it goes on here, you know, it's kind of like they all wanted to go, they took a vote, they had the plan. But here came the confirmation, you know, verse 13. A gentle south wind began to blow, and they thought they had obtained what they wanted. 
And we have to watch for that too. Sometimes we get a plan in our mind, in our heart, that we go, I, I want to do this, and what I'm looking for, I'm not looking for advice, I'm really looking for confirmation. Who wants to give me the confirmation that I want? Sometimes people are not objectively saying, you think this is good or bad. They're just going, i got a plan, and I'm trying to find out, I, I need enough people to sign my petition to go do this. And in this case, they were looking for a sign. God, just give me a sign that all these, this advice from Paul and this danger that we know is looming out there, give me a sign that maybe I should do what I want to do anyways. And so they got the gentle south wind, just what they needed. And so they headed out to sea, and they thought they were getting a nice, nice wind. And in the end, they signed on for a huge hurricane, you know, hurricane-forced winds. And we have to watch for that in our own, own lives. And I think sin sometimes presents itself like that. There's something we really want, and there's something that validates it, maybe some sign that we go, oh my gosh, it's the south wind. I, I guess I should do that. In your own life, you can think about it. Maybe there's something you know, boy, if I go down that, there's danger down there. I, I've tasted of that in the past. Um, it's some area that I struggled with or have bad fruit in and tempted to do that again. And we have to watch out for upfront sin. Seems like it's something it's something that we want. This, this is what they wanted. They wanted a wind to take them out of there. Um, but in the end, it came back to bite them. They lost everything. As far as a bad decision goes, they lost everything. You know, they threw their, all their gear, their food, they lost the ship. And by God's grace, they kept their lives. But we have to be careful because sometimes we'll be tempted to uh, follow that gentle south wind. And really, it's not from the Lord at all. It's uh, just something to to validate what we wanted to do anyways. To make plans by seeking advice, I encourage you on whatever it is, seek even godly advice because someone walking close to God, God might give them insight into something beyond what you might expect from, from that person, you know, and God gives grace to the humble. Seeking advice sometimes is a humble thing to do. Um, along the way here, you know, verse 21. I like how it says here, so starting to go bad, just like Paul said it would. And, and then he says, Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Um, then you would have spared this damage and loss. And, you know, we have to watch out sometimes. You know, I think if um, many of you have probably given advice before. How many of you have given advice to a friend or, or someone who's trying to figure out something alive, big or small? I think most of you have probably given advice before. Um... And how many times have you ever, someone rejected the advice you gave? You thought it was good advice, good counsel, it agreed with God's Word, the Bible, and someone decided to go against that because maybe other people were telling them other things. Any of you ever experienced that? Yes, I know you have. Uh, I'm sure you have. Um, but um, as pastors, that never happens to us, I tell you for sure. Um, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I gave advice and I said, well, God, here's what God says. If you do this, here's what will happen, the good thing. And if you do this, here's the, 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 the bad thing that will happen. And, and eventually they'll make their decision anyways. And if they chose, the, you know, they chose left, well, they got the result that comes with that path. If they chose right, they get the result from that. And, um, I think it's easy for any of us to, to be tempted to say, I told you so. You know, Paul could have gone back to these guys and he could have been a real nuisance and they're like, I told you, I told you, you guys are idiots or whatever, you lost everything and I told you. Um, and we have to watch out for that. We have to be aware of maybe being proud. If I had a dollar for every time I gave advice from God's word on a situation and someone chose something else, um, you know, I'd be rich. Um, I'd be more rich than I am just by name. Um, 
But, but the other thing that's interesting is that oftentimes when someone makes a bad decision, much like Paul's situation, uh, the same people who are there to help them are, are probably the ones that warned them in the first place. And, and I think Paul had that. Sometimes it's easy to be cynical. Like I told you, you messed up your life for the rest of your life. Sorry, you should have taken my advice. It's easy to be a little cynical towards people. So Paul, instead of doing that, he said, look, it happened like I told you it would because, you know, when God says something's going to happen, it does. But he didn't leave it there. He took them and he went to encourage them from there. They, they were probably in pretty discouraged sort of shape. You know, that one line here says, we, lost, we gave up all hope of being saved. I mean, these guys were pretty discouraged. And that's, you know, this is uh, Luke who's recording this this uh, account here. And he's saying, we lost all hope. You know, how much more do the guys that aren't following Christ lose hope? Um, but Paul turns around and says, look, I told you this is going to happen, but I want to encourage you. Keep up your courage. Not one of you will be lost. Um, and he goes on to say, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And keep up your courage. And we just need to make sure we're people that um, not only say, uh, not only, we shouldn't say I told you so, but um, we, we need to encourage people and say, hey, you know what? God is a God of second chances. God can help you pick up the pieces. God can give you a new start. Um, you know, whatever it is, taking God's word and wisdom into a situation and applying it to encourage someone because, um, you know, people need encouragement. You know, they, they, I'm sure all these guys are like, oh, we should have taken his advice. His advice. Paul didn't have to tell him that. But I just think it's almost supernatural how he went from instead of rubbing it in to building these guys up and eventually um, you know I really like this last line in the whole chapter here how it just goes um, in this way everyone reached land in safety you know I, I think it's um, they went through a lot of hardship they lost a lot of things but every uh, every one of the 276 people reached land safely you know and that's um uh, that's what I want to close on here. Just that idea that um, God has a plan for our lives. Um, we we want to make wise decisions along the way. You know, God can take broken, messed up situations that we get ourselves into, and He can fix those and make the best of them. But God can also bless when we walk in His wisdom and in step with His will. Um, but also, you know, there's there's promises that. Um, you know, I think of this Psalm, uh, let's see, Psalm 122 is one I'm going to close with here, but or Psalm 121, verse 7 and 8. It says this. This is about God's safety, God keeping us from harm. It says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I just want to close on that promise that that God can keep us all from harm. Um, And in some ways that might mean something different than we think that means. You know, Paul was told he'd be kept from harm. And he got, you know, he got stoned with rocks, he got whipped, he got thrown, uh, in, he was in the sea other times overnight, just floating, and his, in this case he just about drowned with a bunch of others. Sometimes I think we think of harm as it relates to us. You know, God will keep me from harm. That means I'm not going to lose money. I'm not going to get hurt feelings. I'm not going to... You know what I think we can count on for sure? God's going to keep you from harm. That in the end, you're going to make it safely 
safely ashore. You know, I think of the shores of heaven. And by the time they were done here, they made it all ashore. Was it rough along the way? It was rough. They, they swam in this ocean. Their, their ship sank. They went without eating for days. Were, were they harmed as far as God was concerned? No, they, they made it all safely. You know, I think the same is true for us. And eventually, we will land in safety. Eventually, we will make it to heaven. And, and God has promised. Jesus said, hey, look, if you're following me, you're going to have some persecution. Um, they killed me, and, and I did it perfectly. What do you, how do you think they're going to treat you? But we can know that in the end, we're going to land um, safely with our Lord in heaven. And there may be some hardships to endure along the way. But a lot of that based on our faith and things, that those are things that actually will turn out gloriously for us in eternity, you know. And, um, but I'm just encouraged that God has a plan for our lives, each one of our lives. God uh, can use broken situations to work out that plan and even use us in the midst of a broken situation to encourage others. And in the end, we will make it, um, we'll reach land safe in safety here. So let me go ahead and pray and call it a morning here. Well, Lord Jesus, um, I do thank you that you do know the plans that you have for us. We thank you that you promise that those plans are good and they are with hope and with a future. Lord, I thank you that everyone who has turned to you as their Savior um, and Lord, that they have a future, eternity with you in a place where there is nothing that's broken. There's a place where there are no hurricanes that, that happen instead of a gentle wind. There's places where people don't lose hope and there is no sin. And, and God, we just thank you that you have a plan to bring us um, safely home to you. Lord, I pray in the meantime you give us perseverance. I pray you'd help us to be men and women who lean on your promises. When you say something that we that we take take it to mean them. You know, the, the gospel truth that we know you keep your promises, Lord. And uh, help us to pass on courage to others when we can just get down and, and think of our own situation. Help us to be like Paul and encourage everyone around them, even though they were all in the same boat. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, just bless us. Um, I bless this upcoming week here, Lord. We've got a lot of craziness going on in our lives with school and finals and um, Christmas. And, and I pray you'd help us to be men and women who just give our burdens to you, who trust your gracious promises, and um, help us to believe you have the best interest in mind for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.